Welcome to season five, episode two of Christina Unfiltered. I'm about to slap you with one of your favorite series of this podcast. One of our popular series is the dopamine series. And for some reason, you guys seem to like the law school series. And this is a very special installment because it is the conclusion of my 1L year. First year of law school down and now that i have this immense amount of bird's eye view i can say objectively and definitively that which my lawyer would tell me not to use that wording but i don't care because this is my show <laughs> this experience this type of schooling it is like being on reality tv it's like being on the kardashians except everyone is scott disick and if you don't know who scott disick is he is the baby daddy who is sometimes off the walls, uh, has lots of substance abuse issues, but is so funny and lovable. And if you guys have listened to every episode, then that might click with you. But if not, I will tell you anyway after our sponsor. I'll start out by saying that there is sexual tension with everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. And if you've listened to any of these before, you might know that I've once mentioned how this place has been interesting because I've never thought that I'd have love triangles like with my guy friends included as well. Like if a guy has a crush on not only me, but also my guy friend. And it's like, okay, I never thought I'd be in a love triangle with someone who can probably give way better head than I can. Great. (laughs) But you know what I mean? So first, that's already a strange factor like the people you're friends with. It's almost like, I feel like, is there this odd sexual tension? Because we are so aware of exactly the type of misery everyone else is going through that there's an intimacy to it. It's like we know what each other's darkest times are like and what the internal monologue is. That it just creates like an instant connection that I think is might like might be a factor behind the sexual tension because if you've listened to this series at all it's probably been such like a roller coaster here to hear my different synopsis of all these experiences because they've been so crazy sometimes these people were so unlikable you know cocky and stuff but it's like we all go through these extreme challenges and you all and it's like There's nobody else that's going to understand what you went through that year except for those people in your class. And so, yeah, it's just like this huge... Honestly, I wonder if it can be considered like a slight trauma that you guys all go through, like all law students. And I think you could say that like in a very gentle way, but maybe more of just like, hmm... Yeah, I can't really think of another way to put it. Like you're all put through this huge like life, like your life turns upside down. Everything you know is different, but you still like survive and find a way to like make jokes through it. Okay, so not only does everyone have sexual tension, but also everybody is always um, drinking, intoxicated on some sort of drugs. The stoners never the stoner life never leaves you the stoners in college are the stoners in law school and the drinking it doesn't stop 
but not only does it not stop, but I've never seen it drank in this way. It's just funny, like the same friends that will spend like every waking minute of their spring break, like not having a break and not having fun and like glued to their computer, writing their their essays like to get onto a journal like law review journal and all that over spring break also just on an, a different weekend a weekend with, that we do have class that i've never seen people smash so many glasses by accident like walking through a bar in adams morgan or people getting kicked out of bars for being so drunk these are like all my friends and it's just like insane it's like a madhouse so it's interesting it seems like every one of us could seem from the outside perspective like an alcoholic and it's an interesting it's an interesting viewpoint because i'll explain what i mean so i went to a wedding for my friend last weekend or something like that and i was just telling my sister like suggestions of to what to do at one point, she was like a little bit like glum. I was like, oh, maybe you should go get a Cosmo. And just like some of the activities I suggested, people were like, oh, you really like drinking, don't you, Christina? And it's like, it is what it sounds like. But if I'm sitting at home, say, see, this is a thought I had with myself once. I think I it was like two years ago. I was at my apartment and like a friends with benefits was going to come over. I was like, maybe I'll have a drink and feel loose. Like, I feel like that's what people do. And it's like, I couldn't even drink the whole thing. Like, I can't even finish one drink. But then, like, from the way that we talk due to the things that excite us, like the law students, it's like, we're so excited to go to happy hour or anything like that. And everyone's like, why are you guys so obsessed with drinking? But I feel like it's not even the fact that we're drinking, but I think it just means that, like, when you're allowing yourself to go somewhere to buy a drink that means that you're taking a break that means that you're finally like taking a breath and not having to work at your the top of your game at that time even if you're having a sip as you like put in applications of something you're still in a zone where you're able to be more chilled. So I think that like to a law student, to a Scott Disick Kardashian law student, our like allowing us to drink means that we like don't have to be so anal and so hyper-focused at that time that it means that we can be like allow ourselves to finally let loose and be happy. And I thought I could do a quick recent story time to go with this alcoholic theme because it is quite interesting. And shout out to, hmm, what should we call this friend? Ugh, all I can think of is Natalie as a name right now. Sorry to uh, come up with that name for you. But she did a good synopsis of what we faced at Dave & Buster's. Uh, was it yesterday? I'm so bad with times of day, but this just like, it just aligns so much with the reality TV like vibe of this year and what your life will be when you join extended schooling, I think. But we went to Dave and Buster's 
and our bartender was wasted but like i could tell it was wasted plus like plus something a little extra and maybe i should just like say what she said because it was so i screenshotted what she wrote but she just said like talking about being hungover and sick but then she said on the bright side that she saved so much money because at even Buster's, our bartender was this is what she said either clearly belligerent or on something and he indeed did not charge us for any of the drinks we ordered and she wrote this beautiful sum summary here um people got three vodka crayons i got a tequila sunrise and there was apparently a screwdriver and four kamikaze shots and our kamikaze shots were in wine glasses so that was interesting and apparently he was eating the customer's food after he served it to them and chatting to them while they were on their date sweating profusely i i remember that part forgetting people's orders and giving us fun facts about our drinks and didn't ask for any of our cards man this friend is funny and she said yeah he might have been on molly due to the profuse amount of sweating yeah and then she said on multiple occasions he had waiters bring us things we didn't ask for and then he also had a whole plate of food that was brought to us that we didn't order yeah this guy um shout out to him i got his name and i definitely will be asking for him when i go back there because dave and busters oh my god i can see why it's like a phenomenon like i love games and it's like life-size playing mario kart oh my i'm definitely gonna go back there as many times as i possibly can before the life leaves my eyes so that's our little mini story time update of the alcoholism note and i just want to say a little more on that sexual tension note because it you can see the evidence with your eyes and i'm having an interesting interaction myself at the moment and which one do i want to begin with let's do eating meeny miny mo i'll pick that one okay so i'll start with the one where i can see people using their what's it called like the sexual tension as a tool like for their own gain for their own social gains in terms of like revenge and scheming like i can see what this person is doing so i can't really think of anybody that like is a classmate of mine that i dislike it's just uh for some reason you get a sort of appreciation for everyone it's it's kind of strange maybe we're just like amazed like i'm just amazed by the people that haven't dropped out yet i think and so this person i'm thinking of is it's a a same-sex person and i can just tell that i'm a good person for them to be communicating with for revenge i'm sorry i can't go into it too far but let me just say i can tell they're flirtatious snaps they send me are part of an agenda and uh i'm not mad about it like add me into your agenda all you want like i said i'm between jobs so i'm here for it send your snapchats away but that's just a side note and i don't even know if it was like so stupid to even mention because you'd have to hear the full story and i'll tell you but i'll just go on to the next thing i was just thinking about coronavirus 
and Shia LaBeouf and STDs. I, I posted a Snapchat just saying how Shia LaBeouf is literally the most relatable celebrity. And why I'm talking about this is, you know, when they just talk about like New York Times, oh, super spreader, coronavirus, blah, blah, Omicron, the different strain, the different uh, variations of the virus strains and illnesses in general, the whole topic. I just thought about, wow, the thing is, it's like the people are so hyper-focused on like those rates of like those viruses and first i just think of like how much people are getting tested so like people that are positive are going to show up well what if law school students got tested for chlamydia and hpb and herpes as often as people get tested for coronavirus well i think that if that were to happen, then the New York Times would have a different super spreader topic on its hands, if you know what I mean. Because it's weird, there's like a good amount of people per class. It's not like some 10 person high school in the wilderness. And yet we still seem to always know who's having sex with who. And which is why some people aren't as appealing to me because it's just I'll tell you why it's gross so say there's like a handsome person in your section well if you've heard that they've hooked up with blank well see I'm saying you as second person but I guess we'll put this into my person this person I I can imagine them in my head sitting diagonally down the line from me okay they're kind of cute but if I were to hop onto that would I be touching like jenna's juices you know like jenna's a nice person but it's just the concept of me like joining now adding my dna into however much dna these people have now created creating a whole new biosphere of who knows what other organisms are being created by all of these different law school hookups which honestly i don't even want to know what it's like i can't, did, have I even hooked up with like any law school people? I'm trying to remember. Like, my mind is going in crazy places right now, just thinking about all the people I have known in my section that have hooked up. It's like a little disturbing to me. It's like, so when I hook up with someone, it's like, of course I know they had all the people before them. Like, and that's why they have the skills that they have. But I think it's when I am able to so clearly visualize and even if I wanted to would be able to like imagine the pillow talk word for word with their exact voices because um so at this point like everyone in the sections knows each other's names and at this point I can probably say I can know everyone's face and voice and so it's like I might not remember their names properly but it's like if I needed to imagine what their sex orgasm sound sounded like, maybe I, I could just immediately think of what they sound like during their cold calls. And that's all I would need to know, you know, for some reason, there's something already so intimate about like, 
it's like these people talk so much in class you know like how their brain works it's like i just know too much of them i feel like i already know what it's like to have sex with them like it's all a little overwhelming it and it feels very incestuous and there's so much drama the drama really it never ends and it's very intriguing like i never really cared about things like that but it's just so disturbing and twisted and full of betrayal and backstabbing and um trying to be vicious for jealousy and revenge that it really um it keeps you guessing and that aspect of everything is uh it it keeps you quite engaged there's just some stuff that had been crazy that I had went through this year and so I dealt a lot with the registrar's office you know just like the law school's administration and whenever I would tell them about things that would have to come up in my life that I wouldn't expect people to have any empathy for honestly they would say things like you have to deal with the things that will keep you safe right now like law school will always be here for you to come back to like even without a leave of absence like just to come back to like deal with these things first and we'll be here for you and it was just so thoughtful so it's like even though that administration has this side where they're like really ruthless and really cruel and really strict to be a place to learn that you know, like statutes of limitations are important, things like that. They also have this other compassionate side that I think represents the legal profession as well and is the reason why a lot of people practice to be able to help people in hard times. So that was something really cool too. And I think I've, I might have touched on this before. It's all been these things I've had to explain like a million times in real life too. So that's why sometimes I forget if I said something already. But, like, I had prob. well, he was, oh, I don't want to give too much away, but we'll just say one of my professors in one of the subjects, he was just, like, the department head, I'm pretty sure, so he was known to be the strictest one, but it was the night before my first oral argument, okay, that literally says what subject it is, but, okay, whatever, whatever it was my first oral argument and a disaster happened the night before so i emailed him and i literally meant to schedule it to send at 7 a.m like you can do a scheduled email well in my delirious tired mind when i was emailing him about to tell him that i was about to sit like that my performance the next day there was a chance that it would be garbage uh he sent back the nicest email so just a reflection on the idea of what I've told you guys before that I think that when you show any vulnerability at all it'll only benefit you it's like someone you would think would be so cool I mean so cruel and not letting any excuses happen which is why so it's like law school in general it's hard to know what decision to make it's like do you want to communicate with people and tell them what you're going through or do you want to tough it out and do it on your own? And I kind of did all of it. I did everything on my own as long as I could until it was made impossible. So then I had to tell people 
about what was going on with me. And so once I did, I just was really blown away by the support. So it's like even at times this year when I felt like maybe I didn't even have my friends at the time, maybe nobody understood. I befriended the random, uh, what's it called? Shuttle work, AU shuttle worker, because I accidentally left my criminal law casebook on the shuttle and he brought it to my law school himself. It's like, if you're going through something hard and you feel like you have no one, if you show anyone that you're like going through a hard time, then sometimes like the randomest people will like will take time out of their day for you and that's something I wanted to mention actually something I've really was have been blown away by is that I think it's the busiest people in life who will actually give you the most of their time and that it's the other people who honestly don't have as much responsibility or as high stakes of how they plan their day that will be the ones to take your time because it's like the truly busy people with so much to do with and like these tasks are only ones that they can fulfill they see the value of time so much that i think they know when someone needs them and maybe someone who hasn't had that sense of urgency in terms of time management. I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure the other side. I just know that that's what I've seen. And it's really like amazing. Just like the people that have spent their time talking to me and have been so kind to me, like in law school administration, like that's probably what's gotten me through the year when I felt like I've had no one to understand. So a lighter note is one time um, I have a close friend. We could call him Lance. Goes to uh, WCL too. I hadn't seen him for maybe two weeks. And it's just funny. Like if you don't see someone for a bit, the next time you see them, you don't know what state it's going to be. You don't know if they're going to look like they just came back from a war or if they just came back from a vacation. You know, like sometimes I'd see him and he'd be like smiling from ear to ear because we're playing some, we'll just say checkers, like there's a checkers club or something, ping pong club. You might see people gleeful after that. Or at this time that I said seeing the friend is, see it shows everyone has their own like disaster demons because last time I'd seen this friend, it was all normal. This time I see the friend and his body like, what was it? I don't know if it was had splints on it or casts, but I knew parts of his body were broken. Like he had been in a bad car accident and I had just been like in court. So it's just like, oh my God, we don't see each other for two weeks and our lives are like, our lives are like upside down. But there we were still going, like still trucking along. It was our finals, but I saw we were still grinding at the gym. And so that's just what the life is like. What I wanted to mention about my rough time that was like a little bit cool is that so yeah, once I saw Lance, I had just like been through a trial 
and throughout my finals like my finals studying time and all that like the last month before finals and into it I probably had had like three different court hearings very intense ones for personal reasons and so once it got to finals time and I was still having hearings I had to defer some exams because it it really was insane and the funny thing is that because I deferred them it's like okay I usually take them in like a regular proctored classroom but one of them I had deferred they had put me to take it in the dean's office and keep in mind like during a regular exam you're not supposed to have like anything with you like you can only have water but here since it was just me alone like in the dean's office I could kind of have like whatever things I needed like I so instead of just water I had Gatorade water cold brew like every drink I needed and I also was sitting in the dean's office so while I was taking my exam I was looking at the signed autograph RBG because she was giving a speech at WCL and this that I saw on the picture was like a copy from one of my we'll say it was torts okay we'll say oh it was a framed thing of my torts professor it was just funny to see like my professor's name rbg the dean's office like a very nice well decorated uh, situation and so it's just it's like this time was so stressful because obviously so i was in a hearing i was in law school obviously there were people trying to mess with me trying to throw me off you know make me more stressed like people know I'm in finals and they still kind of want to interfere with me and that's fine and so just like if my mind were to think about that in a vacuum in an abstract I'm like what like what worst situation could there be for someone who's like trying to succeed but then it's like it creates this comedic relief because it was a theoretical worst case scenario but then actually when I was in it it wasn't so bad the person there with me like to proctor had been so nice to me so it's like sometimes when the worst things happen to you like some of the people that will be around will be the nicest people that you could ever imagine like, one of the conversations i had during this time i literally said like if i take this property exam tomorrow i think i will fail like i can't believe i said that to someone okay so I had mentioned before that like during one of my disasters I had like one of the professors was so nice to me and I kind of wanted to like look back at the emails to see if there were any like really amazing wise words I could tell you guys that he wrote to me but I actually just stumbled upon this last reflection assignment we had to do and I've mentioned before that I made mine like a song like he said do anything creative and I wrote a song, and my song was called Why Lawyers Are Immune to Emotional and Physical Pain, and I kind of want to tell you guys what I wrote because I feel like it's kind of a funny reflection of the year. So verse one, if the song we use E, B, C, C sharp minor, and A minor, and I've mentioned this verse one to you a little bit before, but we'll, we're going to do this for the summary. I said, I once met a lawyer so he could get me a job. Instead, he changed my life. His mindset was unbelievable, and yet it changed my life. No longer was I up at night 
wondering whether I whether a period I placed was too far to the right. So there's verse one. And you guys might know, that's the guy that I met up with, who I got coffee with him while his baby was chilling next to us. And I no longer really felt as stressed about law school anymore after hearing about how he thought. Verse two, again, E, B, C sharp minor, A minor. And let me try to change the name of this person. Okay. So it reads, working on the appellate brief with Mary was no different. I told her I was up at night researching until the life left my eyes. I called her and she said, not distress. We have done this all before, nothing less. It's just nice. It's like when you're going through these things, these stressful assignments and all that, it's like a chain of people soothing each other. Like they remind you it's going to be all right. And then it's like a medicine. It feels so good. Like reminding you really of who you are. My pre-chorus is F sharp minor, A major, B major. I guess it reads, have you ever answered a person's question while having no recollection of the question? When I, when I read that pre-chorus, I was like, what am I even asking? Well, that's because the chorus will say, it's a, a G sharp major slash C, C sharp minor and A minor. And the lyrics are, that is what the oral argument was like. But during the judge's comments, I was having the time of my life. Comment time represented my favorite aspect of law school. Law school is the intentional infliction of misery made joyous by company, disturbingly ambitious people who could cut glass with their dry humor. Law school makes everything funny, very DC. Yeah, so I use those words like intentional infliction of misery because if you guys take torts or have taken it wherever you might be in life, it's because one of the charges is, uh, it's, it's actually kind of like a joke that we used a lot this year. Um, one of the things you could be charged with is intentional infliction of emotional distress because you know you can sue people for harming you and you can also sue them if they've like intentionally really caused you like emotional anguish except just so you know that one's like really hard to prove but yeah torts is like a little bit ruthless like just in case anybody was wondering but okay the bridge now is e E augmented and C sharp minor. Oh, you guys might. Wow, this really is like a little summary of the whole year. You guys might remember this if you have listened to this series. Silly lyrics read. I once asked a lawyer whether he had chronic pain, emotional or physical, he asked. And then another quote. Because neither. You get used to the stress, he said. And then the lyric reads, legal rhetoric puts this into context. A life problem cannot be dwelled on any longer than a roadmap. Asking a court to reverse summary judgment. Any emotional pain or physical discomfort have a new meaning. Post-oral argument pain equals success. Oh my god. I literally was rolling my eyes as I was reading that because it just felt so nerdy. All right. Now this is the outro that I did. Apparently the ad- the outro chords I chose were F sharp minor B, C sharp, and then later we're replacing that with an E major. 
So this is what I wrote. Scalia and I decided that law school is a mix of reality TV, high school, and college hazing gone wrong. Scalia is a nickname I call my friend. Replacing our law school friends' contact IDs with names of Supreme Court justices is one of the things we do just to feel something. Something about getting a FaceTime from Cardozo makes writing the 19th page of an appellate, appellate brief go down smoother. Wow, hysterical, Christina. I, I really just felt compelled to read that to you guys, and I think I'm happy I did. I want to tell you guys about the friend that I had made that we can name Harry, which makes sense because I feel like every girl likes Harry Styles, but Lance showed me Harry, and this was the person who, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before, uh, the night that I had met the person, I had stuck my fingers down their throat in an act to me of uh, <laughs> selflessness uh, to allow someone to pull trig well to help pull trig for them because they needed to be decent before we went to the uber yes i did that in public in a public street into a public trash can and i will do it again for anyone well anyone average looking or nice yeah so this was part of the whole sexual tension topic thing i was just gonna say so this person is just like oh just like a you know every law school per person smart so like this person harry is like smart but also nice and personable and so this was just the night that i had met harry but another time we hung out with him and we were just going to the typical bars except this time i noticed because the other times i had hung out with him i like we were just Maybe there were, like, more guys around. But this other time we hung out with him... Uh, here, I'll just go into it. So, like, we were at the bar. We met up with Harry. And we noticed that the dancing was interesting. Like, of the the group that we had met up with. Because it's like... You know, people dance at clubs and stuff. But this one... My friend... That we can call... Well, that might be confusing for you guys... Like I said in the song, I call him Scalia. Well, okay, Scalia and I were saying how... Well, no, he's the one who said this. He said, I've never seen anything like this, like with these girls and Harry. It's as if they were doing like a, a dance show-off contest, like to get the guy. And it's true, the dancing was so dramatic. It, it was just like, you know, those like those throwbacks, like I love it, I kind of pop, except, yeah, they really were... Like they were breaking it down, like you've like dancing with the stars finale kind of effort, and like also kind of trying to barricade me from Harry, like trying to put space between me and them, which is fine with me. Like get your man, I guess. But yeah, it's just like one after the other. It was like a dance competition between the different women that arrived with Harry, I suppose. And so that was like interesting. It's just like, I guess it's what happens when you put like competitive people together, you know? So that was just an interesting sight for Scalia and I to observe in the bar. Oh, a huge thing I wanted to mention is I was telling this to my friend the other day. We were at sushi and, uh, 
so it's like you know when people get things like in a celebratory manner well i kind of do it more after the fact i was like okay let's get a bottle and then i thought oh maybe we should get a bottle of champagne and then like after the champagne i thought oh maybe this can be like to celebrate our end of our 1l year but anyway i was saying to my friend like i feel like this is what people don't know about like med school and law school and so what i mean by that is so it's like most law school students don't work i'd say 98 percent have no job at all because you want to focus all your time on getting the best grade you can because it's like having three full-time jobs i'm not even kidding so that's how it is but then if you do work then you okay actually don't even know why i said that um what i meant to say by this is we live as if we already have like the lawyer or the doctor salary and we don't even yet and again why i'm even saying that is because it's like i think people think about how oh my god you you're just in school for so many years like that's what they focus on but for some reason when you're in these environments you live as if you already are that it's like it's hard to explain why it happens but i can tell that it does i don't just like the crazy money spending i'm see i hate when i have to say things and it's probably so unrelatable but maybe i'll just say like you'll see what i mean some way i can use to explain this is i'm thinking about how like okay now that i'm in this type of schooling like i when I used to go to the airport, I used to take the metro, but now I like always take like Lyft because it's like I use a lot of my energy on other things now. So it's like I'm as if I'm Batman and Batman's butler. Like I treat myself as if I'm my own butler. Like I don't know anybody who treats themselves better in terms of like creating a spa atmosphere. 24 7 like now that i have to go through these challenging things i treat myself like i'm royalty and i see my friends doing that too it's like when you take on this like challenge in life i think people see it as if that's like gonna be such a miserable life but i feel like this is what i do and i think i see the others do it we just make every other aspect of the life like as luxurious and amazing as we can and it almost already feels like we are like lawyers if that makes sense like we're just like living like we are it's so hard to explain but maybe you get it or anything like that i mean people in dc already already kind of live like larger than life like in a ridiculous way so maybe it's just a piece of that thank you so much for listening i wish i could say more honestly and eventually i'll be able to and it's like even me saying this, I'm like, oh God, and I hope I didn't say too much, but I really wanted to wrap up the year and it really was a remarkable year that has probably changed me so much and made me appreciate people so much and that I can't imagine like more happiness in a summer right now, like that I can finally do the things that I wasn't able to do, like if you're a musician or has a passion that consumes you, like this whole year, I haven't let myself go to 
every day of undergrad, I would go to American's Katzen Arts Center and play piano and sing. And I knew that if I let myself do that this year, I would have a lot less time to study. And I was, because I'm such a black and white and extreme person, and I get carried away in my passions and in my studies. And so it's like, one celebratory day I had was like a huge victory for me, but I still had a final left. I was like, okay, I'll play piano for one hour. And what do you know? I'm pretty sure I was there for four hours and that's still with me like having to cut it short. You know, like I would have played much longer that day if I didn't have something to do. And so like if I know, I knew that if I had done that, like given myself those abilities to like be able to do the things I like, I probably wouldn't have been able to put enough time into the the other you know the reading and all of that but it's like now I can film this again and now I can play music again and when I first played good for you at the piano at the cats and art center I just thought this whole year I might have had full happiness but I am not myself without music and it's just so nice to be able to do the things I like again. And the thing is, oh, also, like, this happens to everyone, but definitely some sad things have happened with me in the last however many months or weeks or days or minutes. And it just, like, felt like every possibly devastating thing that has happened has brought me back to where... I'm supposed to be and what I mean by that is like whenever I've had sadness in my life now I've come to realize that it's like I don't even have to be sad because when I feel that emotion like here I'll say this I might have said this in the last episode but like say I'd have a breakup why well, just go to Katzen and play dramatic Gabriella songs like during her mental breakdowns with Troy when she thought they were breaking up like I would just play that and I wouldn't feel sad anymore I just felt like I was playing music and that I was connecting with the artist and so now it's like now that I have what I've done my whole life I've been able to play the music and to sing like the sadness when you're a musician it isn't even sadness anymore it's just like musical connection and I completely forgot about that and so towards the end before my property exam I was getting you guys knew I struggled with muscle tension this year I was getting that muscle tension again and so I was watching videos about the vagus nerve and if you don't know about the vagus nerve that's something that's in your you'll feel it in your neck and when you reset your vagus nerve is when you're like so okay say someone's having like a panic attack or something to immediately calm you down you can reset your vagus nerve there's multiple ways to do this a trending thing is like tiktok people doing their face in cold water like that resets it another thing that resets it is like imagine you're lying on the ground like in grass and you're looking at the clouds it's like that position you have when you have your hands like interlaced behind your head like that um 
stretched out position and you do a few things with your eyes that resets the vagus nerve but then also singing activates your vagus nerve and so that like learning that just immediately clicked with me like singing has always felt so amazing whenever i'm having any negative emotion and just the reason why this little comment at the end right now is so relevant is because something I struggle so much with in my life, it's probably my ultimate kryptonite. I know other people deal with it too. Is yeah, it's probably my one of my ultimate ultimate battles is being able to sit with negative emotion. And and it's like when I have music, it's not negative at all. You know? If you're a musician, you know. And if you're listening to this, you probably just know too, because as we know, when we listen, it's like you can live another life. And so I'm sure you understand me if you've, li- if you've listened this far. And I appreciate you so much because I never know <laughs> if these are interesting, but just interesting enough, right? I appreciate you so much for listening. And I hope that you have an incredible morning, evening, afternoon, or afterlife.